Section two of Essays, Book One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ted Garvin. Essays, Book One by Michel de Montaigne, translated by Charles Cotton. Chapter Two, of Sorrow. No man living is more free from this passion than I who yet neither like it in myself nor admire it in others, and yet generally the world, as a settled thing, is pleased to grace it with a particular esteem, clothing therewith wisdom, virtue, and conscience. Foolish and sordid guise. No man is more free from this passion than I, for I neither love nor regard it, albeit the world hath undertaken, as it were upon covenant, to grace it with a particular favor. Therewith they adorn age, virtue and conscience o foolish and babes ornament florio 1613 page 3 the italians have more fitly baptized by this name la tristeza malignity for tis a quality always hurtful always idle and vain as being cowardly mean and base it is by the stoics expressly and particularly forbidden to their sages but the story Herodotus 3.14 says that Semenitus, king of Egypt, being defeated and taken prisoner by Cambyses, king of Persia, seeing his own daughter pass by him as prisoner, and in a wretched habit, with a bucket to draw water, though his friends about him were so concerned as to break out into tears and lamentations, yet he himself remained unmoved, without uttering a word, his eyes fixed upon the ground, and seeing, moreover, his son immediately after led to execution, still maintained the same countenance, till spying at last one of his domestic and familiar friends dragged away amongst the captives, he fell to tearing his hair and beating his breast, with all the other extravagances of extreme sorrow. A story that may very fitly be coupled with another of the same kind, of recent date, of a prince of our own nation, who being at Trent, and having news there brought him of the death of his elder brother, a brother on whom depended the whole support and honor of his house, and soon after of that of a younger brother, the second hope of his family, and having withstood these two assaults with an exemplary resolution, one of his servants, happening a few days after to die, he suffered his constancy to be overcome by this last accident, and parting with his courage, so abandoned himself to sorrow and mourning, that some thence were forward to conclude that he was only touched to the quick by this last stroke of fortune, but in truth it was, that being before brimful of grief, the least addition overflowed the bounds of all patience. Which, I think, might also be said of the former example, did not the story proceed to tell us that Cambyses, asking Psammetus, why, not being moved by the calamity of his son and daughter, he should with so great impatience bear the misfortune of his friend, it is, answered he, because only this last affliction was to be manifested by tears, the two first far exceeding all manner of expression. And peradventure, something like this might be working in the fancy of the ancient painter. Cicero de Orator, chapter 22, Pliny, 35, 10, who having in the sacrifice of Iphigenia to represent the sorrow of the assistants proportionally to the several degrees of interest every one had in the death of this fair innocent virgin, and having, in the other figures, laid out the utmost power of his art, 
when he came to that of her father he drew him with a veil over his face meaning thereby that no kind of countenance was capable of expressing such a degree of sorrow which is also the reason why the poets feign the miserable mother niobe having first lost seven sons and then afterwards as many daughters overwhelmed with her losses to have been at last transformed into a rock dirigusi malis petrified with her misfortunes ovid metamorphoses six three o four thereby to express that melancholic dumb and deaf stupefaction which benumbs all our faculties when impressed with accidents greater than we are able to bear and indeed the violence and impression of an excessive grief must of necessity astonish the soul and wholly deprive her of her ordinary functions as it happens to every one of us who upon any sudden alarm of very ill news find ourselves surprised stupefied and in a manner deprived of all motion so that the soul beginning to vent itself in tears and lamentations seems to free and disengage itself from the sudden oppression and to have obtained some room to work itself out at greater liberty ex via vix tandem voce laxata dolore est and at length and with difficulty is a passage opened by grief for utterance aeneid eleven one fifty one in the war that ferdinand made upon the widow of king john of hungary about buda a man-at-arms was particularly taken notice of by every one for his singular gallant behavior in a certain encounter an unknown highly commended and lamented being left dead upon the place but by none so much as by raciek a german lord who was infinitely enamoured of so rare a valour the body being brought off and the count with the common curiosity coming to view it the armour was no sooner taken off but he immediately knew him to be his own son a thing that added a second blow to the compassion of all the beholders only he without uttering a word or turning away his eyes from the woeful object stood fixedly contemplating the body of his son till the vehemency of sorrow having overcome his vital spirits made him sink down stone dead to the ground he who can say how he burns with love has little fire petrarca sonetto one thirty seven says the enamoratos when they would represent an unsupportable passion miserable quod omnes erepitsensus mihi nam simul te lesbia espexi nihilis super mi quod locar amens lingua sed torped tenuis sub arctus flamia de manet somnitu suapte tingent ores gemina tegunter lumina doce love deprives me of all my faculties lesbia when once in thy presence i have not left the power to tell my distracting passion my tongue becomes torpid a subtle flame creeps through my veins my ears tingle in deafness my eyes are veiled with darkness catullus epigrams fifty one five neither is it in the height and greatest fury of the fit that we are in a condition to pour out our complaints or our amorous persuasions the soul being at that time overburdened and laboring with profound thoughts and the body dejected and languishing with desire and thence it is that sometimes proceed those accidental impotencies 
that so unseasonably surprised the lover, and that frigidity which by the force of an immoderate ardour seizes him even in the very lap of fruition. The edition of 1588 has here an accident not unknown to myself. For all passions that suffer themselves to be relished and digested are but moderate. Cure leves locuntur, ingente stupent. Light griefs can speak, deep sorrows are dumb. Seneca Hippolytus, Act 2, Scene 3. A surprise of unexpected joy does likewise often produce the same effect. Ut me conspexit venitem et troia circum, arma amens vidit magnis exterita monstus, dirigit visu in medio calor osa reliquit libertur et longo vix tandem tempore fatur. When she beheld me advancing and saw, with stupefaction, the Trojan arms around me, terrified with so great a prodigy, she fainted away at the very sight, vital warmth forsook her limbs, she sinks down, and after a long interval with difficulty speaks, Aeneid 3.306. Besides the examples of the Roman lady who died for joy to see her son safe returned from the defeat of Cannae, and of Sophocles and Dionysus, the tyrant, Pliny, 753, daughter of Siculus, however, 15, Canto 20, tells us that Dionysus was so overjoyed at the news that he made a great sacrifice upon it to the gods, prepared sumptuous feast to which he invited all his friends, and therein drank so excessively that it threw him into a very bad distemper. Who died of joy? and of Thalna, who died in Corsica, reading news of the honours the Roman Senate had decreed in his favour. We have, moreover, one in our own time, of Pope Leo X, who, upon news of the taking of Milan, a thing he had so ardently desired, was wrapped with so sudden an excess of joy that he immediately fell into a fever and died. Guarcidini, Storia d'Italia, Volume 14. And for a more notable testimony of the imbecility of human nature, it is recorded by the ancients, Pliny ut supra, that Diodorus the dialectician died upon the spot, out of an extreme passion of shame, for not having been able in his own school, and in the presence of a great auditory, to disengage himself from a nice argument that was propounded to him. I, for my part, am very little subject to these violent passions. I am naturally of a stubborn apprehension, which also, by reasoning, I every day harden and fortify. End of chapter 2